0: Civil War song that was sung by the Union Army. It goes like this. Tramp, 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 the boys are marching. Cheer up, comrades, they will come. And beneath the starry flag, we shall breathe the air again of our free land and our own beloved home. You probably haven't heard the words before. The tunes sound vaguely familiar. All right. Yes, Pastor C. Herbert Woolston wrote, Wrote the words to the tune that that we know today as Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are... Like, less and less people knew how that line was going to end there. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Now, over the years... Different people have put other words into this song. Uh, They've substituted lines like, fat and skinny, short and tall, Jesus loves them one and all. (laughs) One that stretches things a little bit is, pink and purple, green and blue, Jesus loves the Martians too. (laughs) However, there is a newer rendition uh, that brings out, I think, brings the song more into line with what the Bible teaches. For you see, in reality, there's only one race on earth. It's called the human race. There are no individual red and yellow, black and white races as people think of them today. The human race varies not in color, but in shades of one color. And what is that color? You don't know. It's not green, it's brown. Just shades of all brown. So with that in mind, well, uh, let's sing it. Okay, here comes the words up. Ready? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Shades of brown from dark to light, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So now you know a new rendition of the song. And I would like to suggest to you another one for today's study time. Jesus truly loves all people, all the people of the world. Sick or helpless, matters not. Old or young, or just the dot. Jesus loves all people, truly loves all people, people of the world. Some churches celebrated or observed Sanctity of Human Life Sunday last week. We're doing it this week. Many other churches are doing it this week, this week as well. And God has declared all people to be precious and loved by him. Therefore, everyone who claims to be his followers needs to to view people this way as well. And as we think about this today, I would like for us just to have some, just some introductory things just to remind us that humanity is unique in God's creation. It is, humanity is different from anything else that God created. First of all, we are made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. All of the other creation is mentioned as just the creation of those things, whether it was plants or animals or the sun and the moon and other stars. Of people, it says, they are created in God's image. So what exactly is the the image of God? I really like what one, one writer said, one theologian said, that the image itself is the set of qualities of God reflected in people, humans, and it makes, that makes relationships and the exercise of dominion possible. Those are the two key things. Relationships and the exercise of dominion. There are relationships within the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, one but a mystery of three three persons, distinct persons, in, in one Godhead. There are relationships between people and God. God has, in the one God, he has relationship. We are able to have relationships. We are the only thing in all of God's creation, the only part of the creation that can have a relationship and knows the creator God. Uh, people, uh we are able to have relationships between people. Those two things are significant. So is, it, there's a, is there any, any question as to why Jesus, when he was asked to summarize everything as to what pleases God, what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and who? And what else? Love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. That sums it all up. That comes even from the very beginning of creation. Now a wolf may howl at the moon and a tree may raise its branches to the sky and a plant may turn, the flower of a plant may turn its face to the sun, but by doing so they are not saying, praise to my creator. Only people can do that. Jesus died for people. He did not die for plants or animals, other living things. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, Talks about how God has dominion over all creation. Speaking of Jesus, He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. God has dominion. He is the controller, He is the king over all the universe. God has, been, uh, God has given people dominion. He did not give it to the plants and the animals. He gave it to people to fill the earth. He's given them dominion over the fish, the birds, the cattle, the creeping things. He's also gave Adam a job to cultivate the ground, to work it, and to keep it. Those words that it lists in Genesis 2.15, that word keep has the idea of guard and protect. That's one of the strongest Uh, reasons for why we should take care of the planet that we live in. Because we're demanded to protect it, to guard it. So, people are made in the image of God, distinct from all the rest of creation. People also have a body, soul, and a spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Body, soul, and spirit. That sets people apart from any other living thing. In 2 Corinthians 5, one, we we're told that the body is something that's temporary. Paul writes about this when he says, For we know that if this earthly tent which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is merely just a tent, a tent that we move around in on earth. But we have, notice what it says there, we have a building in heaven. That's eternal. Is there a difference between a tent and a building? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know Deb and I like to watch some of those, like, discovery programs that it talks about, you know, campers and tents, and I've seen some tents that are probably nicer than my house. But I don't think that's what the Lord had in mind when he gave these words to Paul. Yeah, this tent is pretty fragile, is it not? He has prayed for an awful lot of folks here at church this morning who are recognizing that in new, in new ways, possibly. But there is a building in heaven. Our body is temporary. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. We have a soul. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war in your soul. Our soul, <clears throat> excuse me, is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's where temptations attack. It's where decisions are made. It's where goals and desires are, find, find their origin. Body, soul, our spirit, That's the immaterial part of us. Romans 8.16 speaks about how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. That is how we communicate. That is how we have our relationship with God. Our body will cease one day, but our spirit will continue. We're made in God's image. People are body, soul, and spirit. And God loves people. Animals are important, and please don't read me wrong. The most lovely dog is still a dog. God did not die for dogs. We can love them, we can care for them. They're part of creation that we should guard and protect. Absolutely. But Jesus died for people. As it says in Romans, for one will hardly die for a good man, a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. Even when we were his enemies, we weren't good, we weren't even righteous. But when we were in our most unlovable possible state, enemies of God opposed to him, Christ died for us. Yes, when we think about humanity and the sanctity of human life, we're talking about that distinct part of creation that is made in God's image, that has a body, soul, and spirit that is uniquely loved by God. So when we think about sanctity of human life, again, that began... Back with, I believe it was Ronald Reagan, uh, when he declared, uh, declared this sanctity of human life. It was focused particularly on, on the killing of babies through abortion. But when we think about sanctity of human life, really there's, there's three. There's, I put people into three different categories for this message. First is those that are in human beings that are developing in the womb. For they are. In our song, they're the dot. But there's also people that some folks view as, well, they're less than perfect. Whatever perfect is. Um, Maybe there's body parts that are missing or don't work. Maybe there's just different ways people think. And we say, you know, do we really need those people? And there's also life, there's also people, humanity living in bodies that struggle with physical difficulties. Um, maybe it's chronic illness. Maybe it's terminal. Maybe there's some that are just experiencing the fact that, you know, I didn't feel like this 40 years ago when I was a teenager. I'm in that category right now. But I must say, that it's not just 40 years ago. Maybe just a little older than that. Well, maybe a lot older than that. But all humanity is important to God because he loves them. Those living in developing bodies, the dot. Jeremiah. Jeremiah speaks about this in the first chapter where he says, now, the word of the Lord came to me saying before I was born, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah, God knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah was Jeremiah. You catch that? That answers the question is, 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 is that body that's developing in the womb, is that body known by God? Is that, is that body important? Absolutely. Psalm 139. Again, I'm not reading passages for you. I'm sure that you've never heard before, but let me just remind you of those. For you formed, verse 13 to 15, For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, the depths of the earth. Intricate in design, formed by God, observed throughout pregnancy. Verse 16: "Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days which were ordained for me when as yet there were, was not one of them." There's a plan. that human being that's forming. Because it is a human being. It's part of the human race, the race for whom Christ died. Says He talks about them as the days that were ordained for me. That's the same word that's used to describe what a potter does to that hunk of clay on the wheel. And as it spins around, skillfully uses hands in order to shape that and mold that and All So it turns out just exactly what he wants it or she wants it to do. That's what it says God does. And if you want to see it in kind of like in how it grows, check out the table when you go to leave today. Because there's the little models from the littlest on up to when a baby becomes full term. Amazing. Amazing. A God-ordained person. Um, in a world where some consider life in the womb to be disposable, believers should proclaim, as it says in Psalm twenty 120, seven three, that every child is a gift from God. Never a mistake. Perhaps unplanned by the family, but never unplanned by God. Um, Deb and I were surprised and dj showed up we'd never give him back and i'm sure many of you can relate to that we weren't expecting this but we praise god for life and he said i got a plan i got a plan the tragedy and the tragedy and horror of abortion is an attack on the work of god the creator it is a sin it is murder and regardless of any religious whitewash some may use in their defense, it's still wrong. And today, I'd like to welcome Jamie Hill. She comes from Bright Hope Pregnancy Center. Jamie is the Life Smart Program Director for Bright Hope and asked if she would come and just share some thoughts with us this morning.
1: Thank you. Three months ago, a young woman, her name was Maria, came into our Allentown Clinic. She was scared, scared that she was pregnant, uh, didn't have a job at the time, was looking, and so she had a lot on her plate. And she knew her boyfriend, Mark, would have encouraged her to have an abortion. So Jane, our client, surfaces supervisor, sat down and they just visited, listened to her, and was a safe place for her. And they talked through some things and brought in the medical staff, uh, did a pregnancy test to confirm her pregnancy, and she was, and then scheduled her to come back for an, an ultrasound. So Maria left. And Jane called her to confirm her ultrasound appointment, and she said, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to come after all. Can you just cancel my appointment? So when we get a situation like that at Bright Hope, we hit our knees, right? We pray. We pray for her. We're praying for her boyfriend, Mark. And something inside Jane just said, don't cancel the appointment. Just leave it on the books, you know. Sure enough, like an hour before her scheduled appointment that she wasn't planning on coming to, She called and said, can I still come in? She's like, absolutely, come on in. So she came in and Mark came with her. So they went into the ultrasound room and the sonographer is doing her ultrasound. They're watching the screen intently, it's very quiet. And the sonographer tells them that the expected due date for their baby. And a tear just started running down Mark's cheek. And he said quietly, that's my birthday. They left that day uncertain what they were going to do, and we continued to pray for them and follow up, and I'm excited and happy to tell you that they have chosen life, and they've chosen to parent, enrolled in our Earn While You Learn program, which is really exciting. That will give them a lot of the support that they need, resources they need, as they learn how to parent. It's an exciting time. They're getting excited, and we can only do this work because of churches like yours and people like you who invest in Bright Hope and that support our mission and our vision. And we stay very focused on our mission and vision. If you wanna pull up that slide, I will um, share that with you. Our mission at Bright Hope is that we would honor life and offer hope by providing pregnancy resources and support and life skills education to women, men, and youth. And our vision is that we, along with you, that we could create a culture in the Lehigh Valley that would choose life for the unborn. And we offer our services through prevention, intervention, and restoration services. So I just want to look at those real quickly with you so you can know a little bit about Bright Hope and what we do. Our prevention services is on the next slide. And it's a program called LifeSmart. The SMART stands for Social Maturity and Relationships Training. This is some of our team, and we go into middle schools and high schools, actually fifth grade as well, and give them education on how they can develop healthy relationships. We teach the success sequence, that if they will graduate from high school and then get a full-time job and then get married before they have children, there is a 90% chance that they will not end up in poverty. And so that we can help prevent some teen pregnancies. uh, Here in the Lehigh Valley, we've talked to over 2,600 students this school year. Um, Lots of education going on. It's really encouraging. We get so much positive feedback from our teachers, from the students. This was a girl at Deeriff the other day who was like, this is the only class I really want to come to. This is like the only thing I can actually use in my life right now. Um, So it's really encouraging the LifeSmart program. Lots of positive feedback. The next is our intervention services. If it's on the next slide. These are our clinics, our medically verified pregnancy tests, our early ultrasounds, the STI testing, treatment and education, our material resources and referrals that we give out. We have the Earn While You Learn program and a baby boutique. And then we also have our Door of Hope a maternity home. We have two locations They're on the next slide, on Hamilton Street in Allentown, Northampton Street and Easton. They are both medical clinics, so we have clients who come into both of these locations. And then on the next slide, you'll also see what we have coming in March. This is also from churches like yours and donors in our community. This medical mobile unit is fully funded. It's paid for. It's arriving in March. If you're interested, they, we do offer sidewalk advocate training. Um, you can go to brighthopepartners.org to find out information on that. And they'll, Just a quick look at our Door of Hope maternity home. It's on the next slide. You'll see it pictured up there. It's a beautiful home. They have completely restructured it. It used to be in apartment settings, and now it is a group home setting. Um, So these are community members that have come in and painted and fixed it up and it is about ready to start receiving our first moms who are homeless and pregnant and will be able to live there. We have certified counselors and social workers that will oversee this program. They're going through screening processes right right now for applicants that that will be housing, will be staying there. So that's really exciting. Um, And then our restoration services on the next slide. Not only is part of Door of Hope part of that, uh, but we also have post-abortive care. One in four women have had an abortion. So it is common, and there are a lot of things, right, that they deal with, and so that we can offer that care. We also have a uh, Divine Resale. It's a boutique on, Allen, on Hamilton Street in Allentown. It's a wonderful store. If you haven't been in there, you should totally go check it out. They do an amazing job. Um, and just so you know, on the table out in the back, I have some of like our numbers and statistics if, if that interests you. But I was telling somebody earlier, the Divine Resale raised $87,000 this last year that supports Bright Hope. So it is an amazing store. A lot of people from our community come in there. So how can you help us? Uh, the next slide is the how you can help, and then you can go on to that. You can pray. We have lots of prayer requests as far as just protection from the enemy. When you're dealing with life and death, It is, uh, we need protection from the enemy. For our staff, our volunteers, our financial partners, school administrators and teachers that we work with in the classrooms, um, that life would be chosen in our clinics and on our mobile unit, and that moms and dads would accept the saving and restoring grace of Jesus Christ. You can also serve if you want to serve in any capacity that's on the next slide there you go uh, we'll find a place for you and train you with what you need we do interviews and an application process and uh, background checks all that good stuff but you can find it brighthopepartners.org like all the ways to volunteer there's a get involved link and it will show go through all the different opportunities the next slide is that you could give become a monthly partner with us in supporting us and being able to continue the work that we do Um, participate in our fundraising events. I know this lovely couple mentioned to me they'd been to the Gala of Hope this last year. That's once a year. And also our Walk for Life, a baby bottle campaign. You could donate materials to our baby boutique or Divine Resale. There's actually a list out on the table, too, of things that we accept for donations for those things that you could pick up today if that would be helpful. And then the last slide is just our brighthopepartners.org. It's got really everything. If you want to find out anything about Bright Hope, that is for our partners. There is a separate page for clients for client services. This is just for you guys, for the churches that support us, for our community members that help us in supporting um, just the life-giving work that we're able to do at Bright Hope. If you have any questions, I'm going to be out at the back as you go out at a table, so I'm happy to, if I can answer, I'm happy to answer things. I don't know everything, but um, it's a pleasure always to speak with you, so feel free to come by, and thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for having us, and um, thank you.
0: So God says all human life is precious. Those living in developing bodies and those living in bodies which are less than perfect. Um, perfect is the only the only two people that were ever perfect were who? Well, Jesus was God too, so that, but he had a body that had some imperfections, didn't he? Weren't there going to be holes in his hands and a scar in his side? Who are two people that were perfect? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. That's it. Now, cultural norms and social ideas determine what's perfect. Sadly, uh, there are examples in other countries that I just know from personally from people who do this that disabled or handicapped children are kept kept hidden away because they bring shame to the family. They don't want anybody to know. Um, some are left to die. Some are killed. Um, Couple quotes. Here's a professor of bioethics at Princeton University. Killing a disabled infant is not morally equivalent to killing a person. Very often, it's not wrong at all. They're teaching ethics. Um, a professor from the University of Chicago, he's a professor of um, ecology and evolution. If you are allowed to abort a fetus that has a severe genetic defect, then why aren't you able to euthanize that same fetus just after it's born? I see no substantive difference that would make the former act moral and the latter immoral. After all, newborn babies aren't aware of death, aren't nearly as conscious or feeling as an older child or adult. They have no rational faculties to make judgments. That's what the world says. What does God say? Well, you could use all the verses that we just talked about already. But there's others that will apply to people that are in positions of being either handicapped or disabled. A verse that I think every believer ought to know is, is found in, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. Moses is saying to the Lord, I don't want to go and be... God's spokesman. I don't want to go talk to Pharaoh. And God answers him and says, who has made man's mouth or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? A Handicap or disability is not a mistake on God's behalf. God has a reason for these types of things. God cares for people. Uh, for people like this. And just at that last part, verse 12, he says, Now then go, and I, even I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. Yes, Moses, you may not be able to speak super well. You're not eloquent. You're not an orator. But I will make up the lack for what you have. And I think that applies to any disability or handicap that a person has. God is there if they will allow him to make up the lack so that they can live a productive life, um, in John nine verses one to three, or, or yeah, nine one to three, Jesus meets a man who was born blind, and he said he spat on the uh, he passed by and saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked the question. You know, Pastor Smith spoke on this passage just a little while ago. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he would be born blind? Remember what Jesus' response was? It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God displays his glory and his power through humanity. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect for that to happen. God is concerned about the welfare of people who have disabilities. Luke chapter 19 You shall not curse a deaf man. Why? Because he can't hear you. He doesn't even know what you're doing. You're taking advantage of him. You shall not curse a deaf man, nor place a stumbling block before the blind. Why? You're taking it because they can't see it. They'll trip over it. He says, but what shall you do? Revere the Lord your God. Fear Him. He is the one who made that person who is blind or, or, or lame. God is the one, and you better take care of them. And you better not take advantage of them. God cares about such people. In a world where some consider the disabled as unable or the handicapped as incapable, believers should proclaim what we read in Psalm 139, verse 14. I will give thanks to you, for I, or for they, are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And that works includes, even as he said to Moses, sometimes making deaf or making blind. Being born with handicaps. Wonderful are your works. And my soul, that part of me that relates to you, O God, I, I know this because I know you. Humanity, bodies that are forming in a womb are people. They are life that needs to be valued. People with handicaps or deformities, uh, they are people. People, though their bodies may be less than perfect, we need to remember the bodies are disposable. They're not going to last. There's a point in time coming when, when they stop. God considers them important. And says, people who choose to be my followers, they need to have the same high estimation of less than perfect bodies and the people that reside within them, as I do. There are those, those living in bodies which are chronically or terminally ill or deteriorating with age. Job uh when not not job yet sorry when when debilitating life issues make make health hard on a daily basis when sickness or physical limitations bring about major life changes, quality of life comes in often is brought into play um, and that determination is 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 quite broad as to what is considered quality of life uh People can come to a place where they sense hopelessness, that life is not worth living. Uh, People want to take death into their own hands. It's my life, my birth, my death. Uh, There are nine states in the U.S., along with Washington, D.C., where uh, physician-assisted suicide is legal. Um, and there are options coming that will enable a person, whether they want to be in their own home or out in the great wild or being on a beach, to fabricate their own means of death and they don't need a physician. Think can look for the pod. There's a chance Switzerland may be Allowing this to be used and tested this year. Um, Death with dignity, but it's death by a person's choice. What does God say about the time of a person's death? Job 14, um, speaking about the length of a person's life. His days are determined, the number of his months is with you. God is the one who sets the limits and people are not, ought not to pass it. God brings about birth. God says, I determine death. Remember in Luke, the rich man who said, I've got all this wealth now. I'm just going to build up new barns and store my stuff, and man, life is going to be good. And what does, what does the Lord say? I'm going to take my ease, but on in Luke chapter 12, verse 20. Um, It says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. No, no, you may have your timetable, but mine's the timetable that counts. Remember Psalm 139, 16 that we read? All the days that have been ordained for you. That includes the day of birth, the day of death, and all those in between. A world where some consider age or sickness a reason for ending life. Believers should proclaim what we read in Psalm 31. But as for you, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Your timetable counts. God has declared all people to be precious and loved by him, and so should his family. Sadly, for some in this world, human life is considered to be of little value. It is viewed as excess baggage to be discarded, an inconvenience to be avoided, and excessive financial strain to be eliminated. Abortion shouts this loudly as does euthanasia, or lonely people in nursing homes who've been forgotten by their family, or assisted suicide, to name just some. Over the last week and a half, I connected with a number of folks here at Bethel Church who have experienced what it's like to care for people whose bodies are not perfect, who are struggling. And I asked them, what have you been learning through this time? What has the Lord been teaching you through this time? I'd like to read some of them to you. And I will tell you now, I wrote to eight people figuring that four would be able to respond, all eight responded. And it's marvelous. So we're going to go over, because this makes hearing their stories makes coming to church this morning very, very purposeful. Some are anonymous, which I I said I was was good with. Um, In caring for my mom, I think what I prayed for most was patience. God taught me uh, that caring for my mom was my priority and other things could always wait for another time. My care for her could keep her, keep her close to extended family and out of a nursing home. I realized that it was okay to ask for help from family members or other caregivers when I needed it, care for the caregiver. Perhaps the most important lesson God taught me was that being with my mom was exactly where God wanted me to be at this time. Another family. We are told to do unto others as you would have them do to you. This is in our minds when we care for mom. It is for her well-being and safety. She took good care of me when I was under her care. I want to do the same for her. My mother has had time with her grandchildren and great-grandchildren that would have not, been, that would not have been. The, great-grand- the great-grandchildren have been blessed by getting to know her and learning how to relate to a senior. She's an integral part of our family. Has the times been hard? Yes. Have there been blessings? Yes. We have seen God provide over and over. We have learned how to be more generous with our time and resources and more compassionate. Another one. One person who who cared for their parents said it was very rough as there were times they had little sleep or time to rest. But they said they would do it again because they were our parents who raised us through many trials and loved us. It was a big sacrifice, but worth it as they, as they know their parents appreciated the care which allowed them to be at home and not in a nursing home. Other families of the family members who lived a distance away appreciated their hard work and sacrifice. One with a name, Dick and Jane Pritz. When we received the initial diagnosis, we were in shock because this was the first major illness of any kind for us. Jane's personal physician was marvelous as he gave us the news. He rolled his chair in front of Jane, took her hands, looked her in the eyes, and told her that we'll get through this together. As we talked with our kids and shared the news of our daughter, Julie, taught, shared the news, our daughter Julie made a statement that picked us up and carried us then and still does. The phrase, God's got this. Very basic and very true. Not a revelation, but a known fact that we often overlook each day. We were numb as we started through the visits to doctors, medical facilities, but those three words rang in our heads. God's got this. He truly did. Jane had the best of every department at St. Luke's without us even knowing it until after the fact. The lead surgeon removed the pancreatic cancer and then the second major surgery. The lead oncologist, the department head for her radiation, and the physician that teaches other doctors to do robotic surgery. God lined up the best for Jane without our knowledge. The multiple hospital stays were heart-wrenching to watch, but Jane smiled and comforted me as we held on to Jesus. One time she had five nurses around her trying to draw blood. She said, and I can picture Jane saying, I can hear Jane saying this. Okay, girls, we just have to ask Jesus to help us to get this one done. And he did. God's got this was all I had each time they rolled Jane out of her room for yet another of her many procedures. The year and a half home recovery mixed in with multiple hospital stays were physically and mentally exhausting for me. Sleeping in two or three hour increments for months, tracking medication schedules, doing nearly everything for Jane was difficult, but such a huge blessing for me. The prayer support was awesome. The cards, notes, texts, and calls were huge. I never once thought I would lose Jane. I rested on God's got this. It was a blessing and comfort to be totally dependent upon the Lord. We talk about relying on God, but this was very different for me. I was sad for all that Jane had to endure, but it was an honor and a privilege to be given the task to care for her. I was exhausted trying to function day by day, but Jesus carried me when I could no longer walk or think. It was easy to let Jesus have all of it. He was right there every moment. He always is so ready to walk with us. We just need to allow him and acknowledge him. God's got this is so much more to me now. It's the reality of life in all situations if we stop trying to be strong and independent. This one's from Patty Sell. The most profound blessing was that Les's cancer was his salvation. That was a hard concept to accept, but it became evident that it was the most significant blessing in Les's life. As we processed his diagnosis, As God worked in him and changed him throughout his last 16 months, his relationship with Jesus, his return to church, and participating in daily devotions with me, it was evident that even cancer could be used for good, which in his case was and is his eternal salvation. This is what sustains me when the loneliness becomes overwhelming. When I remember where less is in the presence of Jesus, I'm always able to find peace, contentment, and joy. Some things we learned and then became blessed with during the last 16 months. Uh, his last 16 months. Uh, the first, truly learning to live in the moment, not focus on the past or the future. Recognition that time is precious. The last 16 months were some of the best times we had together in our marriage. We didn't take each other for granted, each day was a gift. We had time to prepare for his passing giving control over to God and trusting that he will be faithful. What was going to happen, when and how it was going to happen, were so completely out of our hands. There was no way to have peace without giving up control and trusting. And being at peace, being calm through this process was so very important for Les as well as for me. Personally, I was blessed to see the results of something I have tried to do in my walk with the Lord, that is to try to live what I say I believe. In other words, if I say I'm a follower of Jesus, I need to trust him and believe in his promises. I need to not just say these things, but I need to live them. I don't want to give the impression it was easy. At times I failed miserably, but I was able to bring my focus back to Jesus through prayer, remembering scripture, and remembering that Jesus was with me every step of the way. I was blessed to see that he is faithful. He never left me alone. He always provided what I needed and he gave me his peace that transcends understanding. I had a few go-to scriptures that helped me to live out what I say, I believe. When I needed bravery, courage and strength, it was Joshua 1:9. When I needed stamina, conviction and perseverance, it was Philippians 4:13. When I needed peace from fear and anxiety, Philippians 4:5 to7. When I was grateful in God's will and hopeful, First Thessalonians 5:16 to18. When we knew everything would be okay, Romans eight twenty eight. Most importantly, we did none of this through our own strength. We, we, I could never have walked this cancer journey, and I could not have continued to walk through life without less, without the grace, mercy, and love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. To God be the glory, for he alone is worthy of our worship and praise. Amen. Uh, another one. We learned that we couldn't do it alone. Many times we had to cry out and trust the Lord to see us through the times of uncertainty. We learned compassion for others who were made special by the one who created them. Our child taught us that life is a gift from God and never take, and never take it for granted. As a couple, I had to decide whether to keep my pregnancy or have an abortion. I was not a believer at the time But praise God, I chose to keep my son. No life is worthless. And one last one. The blessings which have come from caring for a family member with a long-term mental illness reveals to me the capacity I have to lovingly endure endure years of selfless giving, which has stretched me far beyond the capacity I have ever thought possible within me. I truly believe it is only possible to do this well, by fully relying on God's strength and not my own. I've learned through God's word because of his spirit within me that I am not alone on this journey. He sees me and cries with me and comforts me when it becomes so hard to bear. It has caused me to go deeper in my relationship with him. I've learned that after all I've done, everything in my power to manage, I can rest and still be, in, and be still in my emotions and my heart even when things aren't as I hope. I must trust and turn it back over to our God who has more love and patience than I do and has sacrificed everything for me and my loved one. I am in awe and so grateful. This experience with all its trials has taught me not to label people because of their struggles or their disabilities. It's what they're dealing with, not who they are. Everyone matters. Life is so short in view of eternity and all the strife in this world. Which will one day pass away when we are all in our forever home with Jesus. People who have learned some really important things. And how did they learn it? They learned it because they had to walk with another who wasn't perfect, who was sick, some who would not get better. But God was faithful. Um, regardless of the degree of health a caregiver or a person who, who, who receives the care has, one should know that Jesus, the one, one who knows Jesus as Savior and leader for their life, can say or should say like King David. and Just listen as I read Psalm 56, the last part of verse 9 down to the end of the chapter. This I know that God is for me. The Creator knows you personally, he says he will work all things for your good and for his glory. He says, In God, this I know God is for me, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? He is trustworthy. He is also looking for our obedience. Which the psalmist continues by saying, Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings for you. Why? For you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Psalm 56, the last part of verse 9 down to verse 13. Great portion of scripture. Every human life is important every human life. And we who are followers of the Lord through faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and leader for our life, God's opinion needs to be our opinion. And if it is good and right in his plan, whether we're the one receiving care or the ones who are able to give the care, it indeed is a privilege. Not easy, but it's a privilege because every life until God says it's time to come home, Every life is precious to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are... ...for
1: us...